episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with David Berceau. We're in your office here in, I forget the name of the town again. Amberson. Am- Amberson. Okay. Amberson. <laughs> Population about 120. <laughs> Small town here in Pennsylvania. But uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty well known for written, you know, you've written a number of books. You speak at a lot of conferences. Um, last year, you spoke at Anabaptist Identity Conference on the Apocrypha, which was quite interesting. And so, yeah, we want to talk about that a little bit today. First of all, how long have you had an interest in in the apocrypha? Was this something you noticed as a young Christian? And yeah, just walk how, us through how did some I, of that. Yeah, how did you yeah. get interested in this? Well, I definitely had no interest in it. I, I was raised okay. uh, to believe that it was something the Roman Catholic Church added to the to the mm-hmm. Bible. So I mean, it was. I never had had read it, you know, as as mm-hmm. a young Christian or anything. And when I was thirty five, I. Um, was trying to find out what the historic faith actually was. What did Christians mm-hmm. believe in the beginning, close after the time of the apostles? How did they understand the New Testament? Mm-hmm. So I started reading the writings of the Christians before the Council of Nicaea. Uh, that would be within the first 200 years of Christianity, mm-hmm. or, or 300. And um, Well, I'm reading them, and the last question on my mind was the Apocrypha. I mean, that was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that's something the uh, Roman Catholic Church invented. And I, I suddenly start seeing them quoting from uh, these these books, and it's like, what? And, I mean, at first it was <laughs> such a shock because I mean I'd always believed this was something added, you know, centuries after the apostles, and I mean, right, like Clement of Rome, who you know probably knew Paul and Peter, who wrote wow. about the year one hundred. You know, he quotes from them, and it's like. Wait a minute, what's going on here? But mm. but they all do, and they, they mention uh, people, figures like the Maccabees that I thought they were a mythical people. I, I knew nothing about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it took me a long time to get past that barrier that, that probably a lot of the people listening to this interview mm-hmm. um, have grown up with because we've all heard the, the same myth. Sure, that the well, Roman Catholic yeah. Church stuck this in the Bible. Yeah, yeah me as well. I'm yeah, it's not in the yeah. Protestant Bible, so you yeah. assume, well, yeah, this was never part of Scripture. Yeah, so this sounds like this is something you've at least encountered or been interested in for quite a while then. Yeah, so this would go back, wow, uh, what's, yeah, over, over 30, 35 years, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so how did you begin to change your mind? Because I'm pretty sure you don't believe that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those initial prejudices you had. So, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I was curious, okay, what's the story here? What's going on? I mean, I mm-hmm. could see what I was had been told was obviously false, mm-hmm. but yeah, what was the story? And so then, yeah, I started digging from there. Now, the other thing I discovered from reading the early Christian writings was that the version of the Old Testament they mm-hmm. used was the Septuagint, which, you know, we've done an interview on, on that. Mm-hmm. And these books, uh, it's really only seven additional books, it's not like there's a whole, you know, ton of them. Sure, sure. Um, were part of the canon of the Septuagint. So, okay. if the early Christians were using the Septuagint, which they were, that was their Old Testament, well then naturally these books were all part of that. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. know these as, oh, this is the Apocrypha and this isn't. It was just all the Old Testament mm-hmm. to them because it was part of their canon. So. Yeah, then it, it suddenly made sense, and I realized, mm. yeah, what I'd been told all my life was just absolutely false. 
Uh, maybe ah. the people telling me believed it. You know, I'm not uh -huh. saying they were trying to mislead me because they had been told that. But it's something that doesn't take that much digging to, you know, find out the, the mm -hmm. truth. And that mm -hmm. should have been corrected out of any uh, Bible commentaries, whatever, a long time ago, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so so clearly you're you're advocating at least we need to to know more about this. So so what would you say are some of the best reasons you would have for Christians being familiar with with the apocrypha, at least reading them, understanding them, knowing the history? I'm sure there's yeah a, yeah, yeah. What what would be some reasons there? When we were discussing the Septuagint. And I mentioned that you know no doctrine is going to change because of this. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Christian uh, commandment is affected whether you use the Septuagint or the Masoretic text. Mm. It's the same way with the Apocrypha. Mm. It is not going to change any Christian doctrine. It's not going to change your walk with, with Jesus. So if you never read them, yeah, you could still be a fine Christian, mm. but it will bless you. You're going to see uh. things that will strengthen your, your faith. One extremely amazing messianic prophecy mm. perhaps the most specific anywhere in the old testament mm. uh that is only it's in the wisdom of solomon and it's like i i think what converted me i mean it's hard to get past prejudices even when i saw early mm -hmm. christians quoting from them mm -hmm. it's like ah oh, you know it's hard you can only get stretched so far and it's like <laughs> oh man not this you know and when i finally went out and yeah, I didn't even have a copy, you know, and, mm -hmm. I, and I went and, and uh, got a copy and started reading. And I noticed the early Christians quoted a lot from the Wisdom of Solomon. Mm -hmm. So I think that was probably where I started. And when I read that, it's, it has a, a prophecy about Jesus, about the ones plotting against him. I mean, his name isn't Jesus, it's the righteous one, okay? Mm -hmm. And they say, let's condemn him to a shameful death, you know. And if he really, he says he's the son of God, if he really is the son of God, then God will rescue him. And it's like exactly what the Pharisees said to Jesus, you know, yeah. hey, if you're the son of God, come down off that, that cross, you, yeah. you know, and I, I'm reading this and it's like, and it's a long, it's not just a, a verse, like a lot yeah. of the prophecies are just one verse, and this is maybe, I don't know, eight verses, it's, it's a long passage. Wow. And you're reading, and it's such an obvious description of the crucifixion of the ones who were bothered by him, who were the scribes and Pharisees, who, you know, that they say, you know, this man is, is a, he's distasteful to us, but he was stronger than that. You yeah, know, this, this yeah. guy really, we want to get rid of this righteous one, you, you know. Wow. And, and it's like, I read that, and I thought, how could just a hmm. human write something like that and hit it, you know, right on the head? Without, I mean, long before Jesus, you know, was here on earth, I, I guess I can't believe that that just came mm -hmm. about by some human guessing and, and just happened to hit, you know, what would happen a couple hundred you know, years later. So, mm -hmm. and, and again, the early Christians quoted this, that particular prophecy a lot to the unbelieving Jews. Well, you can see why the scribes and Pharisees then would not want that book considered part of scripture because mm -hmm. anyone right. reading right. that is going to see well wait a minute this is this is talking about Jesus it's so <laughs> hey you guys are the ones who were saying that about Jesus you, mm -hmm. you know that that if he's the son of god let him you know let god rescue him and all in all of this mm -hmm. so i think that was one of the reasons why they ended up rejecting this these books now these again these were all jewish books the christians didn't write these mm -hmm. and they were part of the canon of the septuagint that most jews were using and it wasn't until after the first century at the end of the first century you know like around the year 100 a.d mm -hmm. that the rabbis decided okay 
you know, we're going to exclude these from the canon. And they set the canon at 22 books, which roughly correspond to the 39, maybe 38 books, but the, the 39 okay. books that are in the Protestant Old, Old, uh, Old Testament. So mm -hmm. what you had for the next several hundred years were the Christians had one canon for the Old Testament and the unbelieving Jews had a different canon. Now, the irony is that Protestants use the canon of the unbelieving Jews and reject the ones the Christians use. I mean, <laughs> no, no, none of us do this intentionally. Like I said, yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of this, but I mean, it's, it's, it's right there. I mean, anyone mm -hmm. looking at the facts will say the same thing. Oh, that is interesting. So, okay, like you mentioned this at the beginning, but there's definitely Christians out there who say, yeah, this is a Catholic Roman, you know, the Roman Catholic Church invented these books. And you're already pretty clearly saying, no, that, that just is not true. What, what's some historical data you can give on this? And, and why, why is that to be rejected? Why is that? Yeah, why is that not true? Yeah, well, as I said, long before there was a Roman Catholic Church, as we know it today, um, yeah, Christians were using these books. Not only that, in the early Christian writings, like one of them is Justin Martyr. It was written maybe 150 AD, maybe 160 at the, at the latest in, mm -hmm. in that time period. And he's having a conversation with an unbelieving Jew. It's mm -hmm. called uh, Dialogue with Trypho the Jew, okay? Mm -hmm. And they talk about this. And of course, the unbelieving Jew is saying, what, you're using books that aren't in the Bible. And, you know, the Christian is saying, no, your uh, religious leaders cut these books out of the Bible, you, you know? And, and they oh, go, wow. you know, back and forth in that. And you read the same thing in Tertullian. And, and yeah, it's always the same conversation that the Christians are defending these books and the Jews are saying, yeah, those books are, are not genuine, you know, <laughs> scripture. So it's so who do we, who are we going to side with the unbelieving mm -hmm. Jews or or the Christians? I mean, in, in fact, when this came up to Origen, who was uh a uh, Christian teacher in uh, around the year 250 AD, he gave an answer that, that to me is just unanswerable. He said, okay, so are you saying the Holy Spirit had so little concern for the church that he didn't guide the church into what the proper scriptures were? So we're all using the wrong scriptures and we have to go to the Jews who have rejected Christ, who have been abandoned by God, and we're going to go to them and say, uh, would you tell us what, uh, you know, tell us which of these scriptures are really scripture, because we don't know, you know, we don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, it's like, uh, hmm, I don't know how you can answer that. I mean, yeah. if you're a Christian, if you believe in Christianity, then obviously the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, lo, I'm with you all the days and mm. until the end. So obviously the Holy Spirit was guiding the, the church on what is scripture, you know, mm. and the church, I mean, it wasn't like you have a divided church. The church universally accepted these, mm -hmm. these books. The story of the Apocrypha is the story of the Septuagint. So the two mm. go, you know, are, are interlocked. Mm. When Jerome, the Pope secretary, translated the Latin Vulgate, in our interview on the Septuagint, I, I described how he, he went back to the Jewish text, the Masoretic text, and rejected mm -hmm. the Septuagint. Well, when he did that, then, you know, he had a problem. There's all these books that aren't in the Masoretic text because the Jews have rejected yeah. them. The Christians yeah. used them. Well, he translated them. Of course, he had to translate them from the uh, Septuagint, but he kind of slammed them, you know. Mm -hmm. So rather than the Roman Catholic Church being the ones who invented these books and stuck them in the scriptures, it was actually this uh, translator for the Pope 
who, you know, was the one who put a bad mark on them, but they did stay in the Catholic Bible and the, and the Catholic Church, you know, did declare later that, yeah, this is part of Scripture. Wow. So especially, I'm curious what the Anabaptists would have said about, about this too. Like, what was the early Anabaptists' view on this? Okay, so the Anabaptists, of course, they came out of the Protestant move, movement, er, you know, very early on. Yeah, they were influenced by it, and they were using Protestant Bibles for the most part. Like, without the Apocrypha at this Well, point. not exactly, because Luther said that these books are not part of Scripture, okay? Okay. Um, and you yeah, ask me a little later, and I can explain a little bit what happened there, because it, it is very important to it. Mm-hmm. But they were in the Lutheran Bible, okay? Yeah, well, Somewhere, so Luther right? wanted that in there because he realized, yeah, Christians need to know yeah. what happened in, in the history. Plus, books like the Wisdom of Solomon, you know, the, with the fantastic mm-hmm. prophecy about the Messiah. And then mm-hmm. Sirach has such good, just practical teaching on godly living mm-hmm. that, yeah, none of them, e- even like Calvin and them, yeah, they didn't want that to just be disappeared. So we'll put it in there. We'll say it's yeah. not really inspired, but it's worthwhile for reading, and that's what they put on it. Mm-hmm. Well, the Anabaptists, yeah, they didn't follow Luther, and they were using Bibles that had that in there. And mm-hmm. it really struck a, a responsive note with them because they were being persecuted mm-hmm. uh, bitterly, not only by the Catholics, but by the Lutherans and the Calvinists, okay? Well, what book in the Old Testament are people being persecuted for their religious beliefs, for, you know, worshiping the true God? Well, I guess Daniel would have, you know, a bit on that. Mm. But the book that really has the most is Second Maccabees. And, and it mm. describes, for example, these seven sons who the Greeks, you know, brought forward and said, all right, you know, renounce the law, renounce Moses, and you'll live. And they refused to do it. So the Greeks took the oldest tortured him in front of their mother, in front of the other seven brothers, you know, to get him to renounce, you know, the Mosaic law. He never would, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they take the, and they finally torture him to death. And then they take the second one and go through all seven. I mean, it's, and all seven, you know, were faithful, you know, mm-hmm. in, in accepting torture. And it's the one that I'm pretty sure Hebrews is talking about. Where he said some accepted torture rather mm-hmm. than to renounce their faith because there's no one else you read in the Old Testament who was tortured for their faith, mm-hmm. except in Second Maccabees. You know, in the New Testament, you have mm-hmm. some people. And so the, the Anabaptists who were facing torture all the time and all that, yeah, they really liked that, mm-hmm. that book. And then Sirach, they saw so much, yeah, just counsel on godly living huh. in Sirach. So the Anabaptists quote them all the time in, in like the Martyr's Mirror, in the writings of Menno Simons. Okay. Yeah, it's, you see the apographer quoted a lot because yeah, there's really just a lot of fruitful, uh, solid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, godly inspired counsel in, in there. And, the, and so, and the Anabaptists never make a difference. Now, oh, now this isn't scripture, but yeah, they'll mm-hmm. quote the, you know, say uh, Sirach, and then the next verse they quote Psalms or, or something like that. They mm-hmm. never made a distinction that way. If you go to an Anabaptist church now, you know, they're not going to be using the Apocrypha as a general rule. What Change what changed? In the last okay, years. The, Aba- the Anabaptists used them until the 1800s. Okay. Okay. Now today, the uh, Old Order Amish would still use them. So okay. Um, what happened in the 1800s? The Anabaptists were seeing the new need for spiritual renewal. Mm-hmm. They were what 300 years old by then. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and. They saw a lot happening with revivals. It was right when the you know revival movements were real big, D.L. Moody and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so they turned a lot to the Protestants for 
what spiritual renewal and they and they adopted so much as uh, protestant beliefs and that sort of thing well it was right then the king james had these books in it they, it was part of the king james it really? wasn't until the 1800s that it was taken out of the king james okay because it was in the king james bible as, as well huh. from from 1611 on you know mm -hmm. and so right when the anabaptists started using the king james and all that getting away from luther's german bible and they started using having english services and stuff mm -hmm. yeah they picked up the king james it's not in, in there and so yeah they bought the protestant yeah mm -hmm. view that oh these aren't inspired mm -hmm. and so it's a pretty recent thing in anabaptist mm -hmm. history and yeah i would argue very strongly that yeah, as Anabaptists, yeah, we need to get back that these books, yeah, we will find very useful in raising mm. our children, in raising mm. godly families, in having godly congregations, and and uh, that that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. So you're you're basically saying it was the Protestant influence, it's Protestant was a big big reason. It's for it. I'd say the only reason we're not really? using them. Yeah. So if we accept the Apocrypha or, you know, consider this at least worthy of, of our time or, I don't know, whatever you want to, wherever you want to fall on the spectrum of if they're inspired or not, I'm curious then, how do, how do we respond to the other books that the early church would have quoted from that was, you know, that we would not consider part of the canon at all? Like for, you know, there was, I think, some quoted from the Book of Enoch, for example. What do we do with that? I don't know that any of the early churches ever uh, accepted Enoch as part of their canon. Mm, okay. um, a lot of early Christians quote from it because Jude quotes from it. You know, he he yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he says uh, that Enoch, the seventh in line from Adam, uh, he prophesied that uh, about the the holy ones coming. Mm -hmm. You know, at the coming mm -hmm. of, of of Christ, and so that's right there in the New Testament. So obviously, Enoch is a book that. I think Christians should read when you have a, a prophecy quoted from it, but and I don't really know the answer why, but it was not part of the Septuagint canon as as far as we know. Some of the early Christians like Tertullian might have wanted to argue we should include it in the canon. There is one church, the uh, Ethiopian church. It is part of their canon, but the Book of Enoch. The Book of Enoch is, yeah. But they're the they're the only one. But when the New Testament quotes a prophecy from the book, not just quoting, you know, like a pagan is being quoted or something, but but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think it tells us. And when he he specifically says Enoch said this, the seventh in line from Adam. Yeah. Then, then yeah. when we read that prophecy, and he's you know quoting it from the book, mm -hmm. then it tells us okay, there's something here worthwhile. But that doesn't necessarily mean it should be in the canon of Scripture. My, my understanding from different people I've talked to, the concern is, okay, if we say, all right, the Apocrypha is worthy of our time and, you know, and maybe even it, you know, God used it, got it, whatever. They're afraid that if we, quote, open that door a little, what other books yeah. are we going to have to start deciding on? Right. There, I mean, there's so many other, you know, yeah. historical pieces of, yeah, yeah, it can get really messy. What it would really concern? be? No, the the concern should be the other way. Okay. When we start taking certain books out of the Bible, where does that end? See, Luther is the one oh. who said, "Okay, this is not Scripture." And look what happened. It was in Luther's Lutheran seminaries that they started saying, "Oh, yeah, this isn't really Scripture. This isn't really Scripture. This isn't inspired. This is okay. all that." So, no, I see it being the other way around. The, the way it happened in history. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, back to. I mean, I think people do are are genuinely concerned about the authority of Scripture, what's inspired, what isn't, and and I think that's probably some of the knee-jerk reaction that we get when we say, oh, no, maybe you should check out these books. These might be worth your time. 
maybe they're concerned, okay, well, there's so yeah. many other books out there. You know, we don't want to go down that road, basically. Yeah. Well, there's several safeguards we have. You, you know, again, mm -hmm. the early Christians and what they quote, and like I say, Enoch uh, would be the only one that, that I think anyone would have made an argument on. So, mm -hmm. so it's not like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other ones that should be up there for, for sure. consideration. Yeah, we have a council um, in the 300s. I don't put my authority in church councils, but it, you know, it is interesting to see what Christians were saying that early. And mm -hmm. the Council of Carthage, that was only affecting the, the canon in the West, but they listed the books. And yeah, they list the books of the Apocrypha as part of the Old Testament. Hmm. So, but they don't have Enoch or you know, any, anything beyond that. Yeah. So yeah, we do have a safeguard there. We have uh, Eusebius, who is writing around the year oh, I don't know, 325, somewhere in there, 330. Mm. And he, he lists the books that Christians, you know, view as inspired and, and all mm. that. And he, he explains which ones are controversial and, and, and whatnot. So we, we have his list um, as well. So, yeah, no, there's not a big open thing out there. Enoch would be the only one. Mm -hmm. And like I say, it did not have a lot of support. It did make it into the canon of the Ethiopian church and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, that's all. Thanks for taking the time to, to be on this episode and to tackle a subject that's kind of a lightning rod. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> well, it, it's, it's been fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Thank you so much, David. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.